Hello and welcome to Generation Mix. This is the podcast where a father and a son review the CDs that the dad's been making for the son for the last six years or so. I'm the dad, I'm Neil. I'm the son, I'm Joel. And if you got our musical clue, which I have to admit I think is one of the easiest and most recognisable that we've ever done, then you'll know that we're listening to the music of... Fallout Boy! Just kidding, Suzanne Vega. It is Suzanne Vega, yes. Um, you, you, why did you say Fallout Boy? One of my favourite Fallout Boy songs called Centuries actually samples the song that we used. Yes, the, it does. And the, the best the bit of the song the is the sample. Actually, that's no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. The yes, chorus is. is amazing. The verses are yes, amazing. Yes, it is. Yeah. Suzanne Vega has been around since the mid '80s with her debut single of Marlena on the Wall, which came from her self-titled debut album. I believe she's still writing and recording now. The uh, most recent album was called Love a Beloved. She's never had massive amounts of hits, but one that was quite significant and did pretty well on the charts is our opening track from the second album, Solitude Standing, it's Luca. It's a good pop song. I really like Luca. It used to be in my top 100 songs of all time. I've got a great fondness for it. And I'll tell you a little story about how I first heard Luca later. But what do you think it was about? I have no idea. No clues at all from the lyrics? Nope. The key lyric in the entire song is, and they only hit until you cry. After that, you don't ask why. Any further clues yet? It's a dark subject. Wife beating? That is pretty much spot on. <laughs> it's a domestic violence song. The character of Luca, she lives upstairs. You may hear a fight. And she says, don't ask me what it was. Because she's, she's being uh, physically abused by somebody else. I mean, it could be a parent. It could be a partner. We don't know because that's not part of the song. I first encountered the song when we will have been, I think we had an English teacher who was covering our proper English teacher's lessons because he was off sick. And she brought in Luca for us to critique the lyrics. And a friend of mine in the class also brought in a song for us to critique the lyrics, which was Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. Because it had been slammed as being just this chant of born in the USA, but it was related to the Vietnam War. And she was also making the point that this song, that was actually successful in the charts at the time, was about domestic abuse. And we were critiquing the lyrics. So I've got a bit of fondness for Luca, because I, I, it's quite a strong memory from when I was at school. And you now go to the same school, don't you? Yeah. Moving on to... Probably my favourite Suzanne Vega album, which is 99.9 Fahrenheit Degrees, 
for the opening track from that album, which is Rock In This Pocket, Song Of David. Something I noticed in that song is like while the lyrics were definitely like the focus. Yeah. It was very rhythmic. Yeah, rhythmic, but also like stop starty in the in the lyrics compared like it would have yeah, a lyric, yes, I know. Yes, it would I have a mean. lyric bit. Yeah. Then it would have a musical bit. Then it would have a lyric bit. Like uh the uh, the first example I think of when I think of things like uh things like that is Hot and Cold by Katy Perry. Don't the verses of that is do Change your mind. Oh, like stop. yes, I know what you mean. Yeah. Changes clothes. Yes. Yeah. yeah th there's jerkiness Just, to the lyrics. Yeah. yeah. I I think that's got some really interesting rhythmic elements to it as well, which is why yeah. I said, do you think it was rhythmic? That kind of what sounds like a clang on a pipe. I think it's a really interesting album. It's got almost like a steampunk aesthetic throughout the whole record both in terms of the sound and the image she was portraying at the time. It wasn't massively successful, which was a shame. The next track is from the album that she recorded after their divorce. And the songs on the album are writ large with the sadness of the fact that the relationship had, had collapsed. So like Adele 30? Yeah, but without the whininess. And also if better you're than Adele 30. If you're wondering why we having a go at Adele 30, go back, if you've not already heard it, and listen to our bonus episode from this series. The only one we've done, and it was a listen-through and a review of Adele 30, and we were not kind. <laughs> if you want us to bring back the bonus episodes, send it in the, tell us in the Facebook. The album was called Songs in Red and Grey. This one, I think, reflects the breakdown of her relationship with her husband. It's called I'll Never Be Your Maggie May. I'll never be your Maggie May The one you loved and left behind The face you see in light of day Then you cast away That isn't me in that bed you'll find I liked it, but it was was a bit like slow. Well, it's a ballad. Yeah, it's a breakup song. Mm -hmm. This was a return to her signature style of acoustic-ish ballads and and troubadour songs, ditching the kind of style that she was doing on ninety nine point nine Fahrenheit degrees, and to a much lesser extent on the follow up album. Nine Objects of Desire. And the vast majority of the songs do deal with that breakdown of marriage to Mitchell Froome. Mm. Here's the thing, you're, you're, you're learning about song craft at the moment in school, aren't you? Yeah. You can do a lot worse than listen to how Suzanne Vega structures her songs to get some 
different style of ideas. So in these three songs here, we've had a classic, typical pop song like Luca. You've had that jerky style of lyrical construction of Rock In My Pocket. And then you've had something a little bit more classic singer-songwriter style in I'll Never Be Your Maggie Mate. And that's just the first three songs. The next song is Back To Solitude Standing, which I think may well be her best-selling record for Gypsy. You come from far away with pictures in your eyes Of coffee shops and morning streets in the blue and silent sunrise But night is the cathedral where we recognize the sign We strangers know each other now as part of a whole design Oh, hold me like a baby that will not fall asleep Curl me up inside you and let me hear you through the heat oh, oh. I was kind of bored by that one, to be honest. That's by my least favourite so far, I think. It's a song that, whenever I hear it, I like. I like the melody, I like the feel of the acoustic guitar, and yet... I can never remember it when I see the title Gypsy. It does not land in my head that that song that I like is called Gypsy. Let's return to 99.9 Fahrenheit degrees for another left field kind of song. It's very indicative of that whole album. It's called Fat Man and Dancing Girl. I stand in a white flat land, no shadow or shade of a doubt. With a megaphone man girl with her hand that's covering most of her mouth fall in love with a bright idea and the way a world is revealed to you fat man and dancing girl and most of the show is concealed from view monkey in the middle keep singing that tune i don't want to hear it get rid of it soon mc on the stage tonight is a man named billy pearl he's the international Fun boy, and he knows the worth of a beautiful girl. It's fun, but like, at the same time, I didn't really like it. Why didn't you like it? A compliment. And yet, that's one of the things I most love about the song. I love the minimalist it's just... sound. It's got this weird effect that you know there's very little instrumentation involved. And yet the it only sound is big. The only instruments I could hear was a bass and a drum. Yeah. And then and her a, bunch, a bunch of animals and nature sounds that hmm. overpowered the vocals for me. I think it's a terrifically fun song. I, I thought it was fun, but like, not... She co-wrote that with Mitchell Froome. Let's leap forward in her career. She kind of went quiet for a while. Songs in Red and Grey came out in 2001 and then she kind of went quiet for a while and nothing came out for six years until Beauty and Crime. This is from Beauty and Crime. It's called Frank and Ava. On the way to the day is when the trouble
Um was okay. I've got nothing really in particular to say about it. Well, it's about two actual people and their, I think it's safe to call it tempestuous relationship. Frank Sinatra, heard I of him? I don't know what that means. Well, tempestuous means stormy. Oh, okay. Yes, I know Frank Sinatra. So you know who Frank Sinatra is? The I other one. I did it my way. Well, his second wife was Ava Gardner. And so lyrics in that song, such as Sometimes Love's Not Enough, is about the fact that Frank Sinatra and Ava Gardner were a toxic relationship for each other. But were... It's widely said that Ava Gardner was the love of Frank Sinatra's life, but they just couldn't be together. They were, they were dangerous for each other, really. And that's what the song's about. Frank and Ava. Is she allowed to write songs about... Why not? They're both dead. Oh, they were both dead when she wrote that? Yes. Okay. Sinatra died in the late 90s. Okay. Ava Gardner, I think, had died some years before that. Okay. We're going to return to Songs in Red and Grey, the album that was immediately prior to this one, for a track called Penitent. Once I stood alone so proud Held myself above the crowd And now I'm low on the ground here I look around to see what avenues belong to me I can't tell what i found Now what would you have me do? I ask you please I wait to hear Oh yeah, I, I quite like that one. It's a pretty song. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I have noticed is, um, except for the one that I did, co I previously commented it on, and I didn't like it. The accompaniment was always really good. Yeah, it is. She's except plays her own for, guitar. Except for Fat Man and Dancing Girl, or whatever. which I disagree with you on. You're working out about writing lyrics, and we had a discussion before Last this. Night. Oh, yeah. We had a discussion before recording this that I made an idea that you could look at something to do with a lyric and you'd said it was actually quite useful. What you decided to do was to... You, you said you'd come up with a couple of lines for a chorus, but it was only a couple of lines. That song could teach you something, Penitent. So listen to the verses, and it was quite heavy lyrically. Wasn't it? There was a lot of yeah. lyrical words. The chorus, she slows down her delivery and delivers effectively two lines worth. But she slows her delivery down to make it the chorus and draw the contrast between the almost stream of consciousness style lyrics in the verses versus the measured thought pattern of the, ver of the, the chorus. Another song that springs to mind that does that but to the nth degree is I See Your Ghost by the Lathams. You've got that really scattergun delivery of the lyrics. And then the chorus of, at night, I see your ghost. And he slows it down and draws that immediate contrast. Do you get what I'm driving at? So yeah. the fact you come up with there may be only two lines for the chorus for the song you're doing for your composition... Well, it's, is, it's, is is an opportunity to utilise that style of of song construction. 
I say two lines. It's technically four, but the middle two are are like four words. That's okay. It goes like ten words, four words, four words, ten words, pretty much. That's going to work. That'll work. You can make it work. Songs, whilst there are forms and styles and conventions, are... It's an infinite way that you can play with form and style and produce something unique. Our next track is the first from her debut self-titled record. It's called Night Moves. Watch while the queen in one false move turns herself into a pawn. Sleepy and shaken and watching while the blurry night turns into a very clear dawn. Do you love any? Do you love none? Do you love many? Can you love one? Do you love me? Do you love any? I quite like that. Good song. Yeah. That is doing the lyrically almost the complete opposite of the previous song that we talked about. Mm-hmm. In this one here, the verses were Spartan and the chorus was flowing and faster delivery. Yeah. It's got a lot of chess imagery in it you're talking about pawns queens knights and how they move on the chessboard to a certain extent i also have a question because this you said this is from like the album that a self-titled debut yes yeah suzanne vega is it common for artists to name albums after themselves if it's not the first or second but like say like the fourth or fifth because Avril Lavigne's album, Avril Lavigne, is her fifth. It is far more common for an artist to name their debut after themselves than later albums. However, I can name quite a few albums that are self-titled that came out much later in an artist's career. So you mentioned Avril Lavigne. I would also say to you that the... Sixth proper solo record of our previous artist that we covered, George Harrison, was self-titled. Peter Gabriel's first four albums were all called Peter Gabriel. The Beatles' tenth album was called The Beatles. Okay, so it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon, but it's more usual that a self-titled will be a debut album. But yeah. it would be later on like in the career. Like Dua Lipa. It depends or... in some cases. The more an artist is... Or Taylor Swift. It was her day. Or Taylor Swift, yeah. Just looking at your CD rack, and I can see a copy of Rumours by Fleetwood Mac, which I can't remember what number album that is, but I think it's about their 11th. Their 10th what? album. Yeah. 11 albums? Before they got to Rumours. It's convoluted. We will do Fleetwood Mac on here one day and I'll talk about their story. But the album directly before it was called Fleetwood Mac. And that was their 10th. It was a debut of sorts because it was a brand new lineup 
and the classic lineup as it became of Fleetwood Mac. But it was also their second time that they called an album Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> their first original debut was also called Fleetwood Mac. We could we could probably spend far too long. We probably already have spent far too long talking about this subject. But let's move on to another track from Songs in Red and Grey. It's the title track. The reproach on your daughter's most beautiful face made me wonder just how she could know of that something that happened between you and me so much more than a long time ago. Her mother, I can see, lives within her still Cause she looked at me with her eyes Though I had only just met her right then I feel that she peeled back my guilty disguise <sighs> I didn't love that one. Fair enough. It's quite a deep song. Again, it's talking Slow. about the daughter from this now broken relationship. That to me, that song, the lyrical construction of it is almost like something from Bob Dylan, which is actually probably the highest compliment I can pay the song. She's a brilliant lyricist. Let's go to one of her hit singles. We're back to the self-titled debut for Marlena on the Wall. Even if I am in love with you, all this to say would speak to you. Observe the blood, the rose tattoo of the fingerprints on me from you. Other evidence has shown that you and I are still alone. We skirt around the danger zone and don't talk about it later. Marlena watches from the walk, her mocking smile says it all. She records the rise and fall of every soldier passing. But the only soldier now is me I'm fighting things I cannot see I think it's called my destiny That I am changing Marlena on the wall I quite like that one. It was a great single. I remember it being in the chart. So yeah, I remember this being played on Top of the Pops or something like that and actually quite liking it. Your aunt, my sister, really quite liked Suzanne Vague. In fact, she went to go and see her live with her well, now ex-husband, and Suzanne Vega had got a cold, so she didn't do a huge amount of singing, apparently. And when she did, she was taking care of her voice. It was just her and her guitar. It was before 99.9 Fahrenheit Degrees came out, and after the album Day of Open Hand, which isn't very good. I've mentioned, once again, 99.9 Fahrenheit Degrees. It's time for another song that was at one point in my top 100 songs and is probably the closest to actually making it back in again. You've been waiting for this one, Joel, because I know you're like, it's the title track. 99.9 Fahrenheit degrees Stable now with rising possibilities It could be normal, but it isn't quite
I like that one. Terrific song. Your favourite so far, I guess. I'm not sure. I don't know. Probably. I could say it's probably just outside my top 100 songs. I Every time I listen to 99.9 Fahrenheit Degrees, and indeed the album itself, I'm reminded how much I really liked it. The next track is from an album that I've never actually listened to. I put it on here because I wanted to try and make this as retrospective across the whole of Suzanne Vega's career as possible. And if you're a Suzanne Vega fan, you will know that I chose the word retrospective deliberately there because she did actually have her second greatest hits compilation was called Retrospective. And it's from Tales from the Realm of the Queen of Pentacles. And the track is called Don't Uncork What You Can't Contain. The shadows grew, and the demons flew, and the song went around her brain. Do what you like, but never uncork, cork if you can't contain. It's alright. And I would also say the same thing, it's alright. It's not, for me, a classic piece of Suzanne Vega brilliance. Like I said, I've never listened to the album, so I didn't really know the song when I put it on. But I did like it enough to include it and represents the later part of her career. Heading back one previous album, back to Beauty and Crime for a much, I think you're gonna like this song a little bit more. It's called New York is a Woman. New York is a woman, she'll make you cry. And to her, you're just another guy. Look down and see her ruined places. Smoking ash still rising to the sky She's happy that you're here But when you disappear She won't know that you're gone to say goodbye It was alright, I quite like that one. I thought you might quite like it. It's a pretty song. It's a really nice acoustic singer-songwriter piece. Returning to Songs in Red and Grey for the final time for Last Year's Troubles. Last year's troubles are so old-fashioned The robber on the highway, the pirate on the seas Maybe it's the clothing that's so entertaining The earrings and the swashbuckling blouses that please Well, that one was a bit more upbeat. Sprightly. Yeah. I completely agree. So I, I quite like that one, yeah. But again, it is related to the marriage breakup. So she's talking about the relationship being last year's troubles and that maybe she's happy now that she's moved on. One track now from what I believe is still her most recent record, which is Lover Beloved, the An Evening with Carson Mullers, to give its full title. This, I think, is an absolutely terrific song. It's called Harper Lee. The other day, Proust really is the man Who comforts me in a way no other writer can The timeless quality of the work The length is very long Believe me, Marcel Proust goes on and on and on and on For seven volumes Now Harper, Harper, Lee, Lee, Lee She only wrote the one book I've written more than three Darling Tennessee Williams anybody's guess why streetcar made millions and wedding so much less 
I noticed she went off uh, off melody quite a lot of times in that song. Yeah. Lyrics. It was the style. Them. The style was yeah. 1920s jazz. Yeah. Any idea what the song is about? There's a big clue in the title. It was it Harper Lee that wrote, wrote To Kill a Mockingbird? Give the boy a cigar! Except, of course, they're illegal. <laughs> yes! I didn't know you knew the book To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes, you did! No, I didn't! I borrowed your copy for school last year! Did you? Yeah! Very briefly. So that's the kind of literary allusions that Suzanne Vega has always been interested in in her songwriting. And with that in mind, the idea of a story being what she really wants to tell in her songs, we're going to go to one of her strongest story songs. It's from her debut, and it's called The Queen and the Soldier. With the crown it had fallen And she thought she would break And she stood there ashamed Of the way her heart ached And she took him to the doorstep And she asked him to wait She would only be a moment inside Out in the distance Her order was heard And the soldier was killed Still waiting for her word and while the queen went on strangling in the solitude she preferred, the battle continued on. I don't get. I don't get it. Well, the story is as a soldier who's come out of the war and basically confronts the queen about the war that he's fighting in, mm -hmm. and that he was basically going to be leaving, he's walking away from it. And there seems to be some relationship between them and his confronting of her makes her feel very uncomfortable and potentially broken. She goes away and says, I will give you an answer. And while she's away, she goes and actually gives the order for him to be executed. And he, the soldier was killed, still waiting for her word. And it's really quite melancholic and sad. And I, I honestly, even to this day, don't know how I feel about the song. <gasps> We're drawing towards the end. The next track is from Nine Objects of Desire, the second album she recorded with uh, Mitchell Froome. And it's called Caramel. It won't do to dream of caramel of cinnamon and long for you It won't do to stir a deep desire to fan a hidden fire that can never burn true I know your That, like I say, is the second album produced by Mitchell Froome. I can hear the style 
and sound of 99.9 Fahrenheit degrees in there, but it's a lesser example of it. I can see the progression, but I don't like it anywhere near as much as the stuff from 99.9 Fahrenheit. And with that in mind, we're going to go back to 99.9 Fahrenheit degrees for the penultimate time for a track called Blood Makes Noise. Strange. Strange how? I don't know. It was just weird. Okay. I, I didn't dislike it. I mean, it's again another example of almost patter song, like we've been talking about from the Lathams and the other I mean, the delivery of the lyrics in that is so fast that I think they actually made a mistake in the record. That line, I'd like to give the information asking for, it's missing the words that you're. I'd like to give the information that you're asking for, but I think she ran out of breath because you can hear her breathe in. And so there's a mistake. They didn't bother to re-record it. I quite like that in a way. This may just be because it's got blood in the title. Yeah. But it also really made me think of Blood by My Chemical Romance. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. In, well, it's in, about, it's not about in terms of... It's about the sound of your own pulse and heartbeat in your ear. You must have noticed that when you've gone to sleep occasionally. Yeah. That's what usually when I'm ill and I've got a headache. Yeah. Is when I notice notice the sound of my heart, the heart, my heartbeat in my ear. The next track was from the soundtrack of a film called Pretty in Pink, and it's called Left of Center. like that one nothing major the sound of it is so 80s it hurts <laughs> yeah that that is so slap bang in the middle of the 80s in terms of its sound and style and production i think the song like you my response would be i like it <laughs> don't love it I wouldn't skip it. I wouldn't turn it off if the radio's on. I, I, I like Left of Centre, but just not think it's fantastic or anything like that. Second pick from the Nine Objects of Desire album. I think you'll like this one more than you liked Caramel. It's No Cheap Thrill. Thrills by Sea is a better song. <laughs> right. Well, we're not talking about that, though. 
We're talking about yeah, they've no got very similar titles. So, but do you actually think this is an okay song or yeah, like right. it? Now that we're talking about things here, the progression of ninety nine point nine Fahrenheit degrees into Nine Objects of Desire, and actually, I probably need to go back to that album again and and listen to it again because much as I, I I just don't, it's it's always been overshadowed by what I think is her best record. Penultimate track now is back to 99.9 Fahrenheit degrees. There's an awful lot of nines involved in these albums produced by Mitchell Froome, when you think about it. 99.9 and nine objects. This is probably the most atypical track on the whole album. And it's called Bad Wisdom. Mother, my friends are no longer my friends And the games we once played have no meaning gone serious and shy and they can't figure why so they've left me to my own daydreaming what price to pay for bad wisdom what price to pay for bad wisdom too young to know too much too soon bad wisdom I didn't really like that one that much. Why was that? I was bored, I guess. I think it's a really fine song, Bad Wisdom. Tell you what I do notice about these two albums produced by Froome is just how good the bass sounds on them. It's yeah, really, like really... This. It's not booming, but it is prominent and almost slinky. I... I I love the bass on these tracks that we've picked from these two records. We're at the last track. You knew it was coming because it was our theme. This is the original Tom's Diner. There's a woman on the outside looking inside. Does she see me? No, she does not really see me because she sees her own reflection. And I'm trying not to notice that she's hitching up her skirt. And while she's straightening her stockings, her hair has gotten wet. That was not what you were expecting to hear, was it? There was no accompaniment at all. 100% acapella. There is a reprise version on the album Solitude Standing that has got some melody that is just instrumental. But this became her biggest hit. This reached number two in the UK. Number two, a full-on powerful hit. Nothing else she released got anywhere near the top ten. And it was because somebody remixed it an artist called DNA, completely remixed it and put a, a beat behind it. It became a massive, successful smash hit single. And it came after the release of Days of Open Hand, but before 99.9 Fahrenheit degrees. And I am convinced that the direction she went in with 99.9 was as a result of the dance hit that they had with the remix of Tom's Diner. So that concludes Suzanne Vega. We're going to jump straight into your revenge. Indeed. Because, because, as I mentioned earlier, this song samples the song we just listened to. And, and it, it is, is Centuries by Fallout Boy. 
So, what do you think? Now, you've been playing this to me quite often, actually. So, as a revenge, it's not really something I'm new to. And I have been mean about it, haven't I? Yeah. It's probably time to admit that you I actually think... quite like it. Yay! It's one of your better revenge, and it's probably because I'm already familiar with it to a certain extent. Yeah. In fact, it's it's your best revenge in the whole of season two of this podcast. Really? That's that. Oh, yeah. because doesn't match found... Found Tonight. Found Tonight was a revelation as a piece that you played me. And, of mm. course, I like the fact that it's got Suzanne Vega's peerless melody used <laughs> as a sample in the song. Well, that brings us to the end of the podcast. I think if you were to listen to that more, you'd grow to appreciate the song craft in there, if nothing else, a lot more and learn a lot towards your own compositions, things that you're doing. We'll be back with another episode fairly soon. And it's one you're not particularly looking forward to, are you? Although not to the level of not looking forward to that Richard Thompson. Listen out for our musical clue as to who it's going to be. There is no guarantee that what I end up playing on the piano will sound anything like how this band sound normally. So if you get it, I'll be well impressed. But as I say, we'll be back soon. This is Generation Mix signing off. Bye. Bye. Generation.